God is good, amen? If we can, let's put our hands together this morning. Let's welcome Pastor Chris as he brings a powerful word for us this morning. We'll give him a elbow bump there, you know, just to keep that away there. So, man, I'm so glad that he called me. I felt very humbled and honored that he would do that. I hate that a pastor has to be half dead for me to get an invitation. To come. I'm just kidding, just kidding. No. But uh, grateful to pitch in uh, for your pastor today. Don't you love your pastors? Thankful for them. They're awesome. I... I come to learn from the pros because Lord knows I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, in Athens, we are three weeks. This will be the fourth week uh, this week in Athens, and God is doing great things there. And so uh, when I came with Pastor Kevin, I just come to see how it's done here so we can figure out what the heck we're supposed to do up there. And uh, I've got a great team that has pitched in to help us. And uh you know, I'm still a kid at heart, so that children's pastor is going to come out in me probably forever because that's all I've ever known, but uh, God's doing great things. So uh, thankful for Chase and for y'all to have me here today. Uh, my wife would love to be here, uh, but our three kiddos would be three tornadoes here this morning, and uh, especially our littlest one, Miss Carly, uh, who we uh, got from China just a little over a year ago at the beginning of the month. And so I'm seeing all those memories pop up on my Facebook thing there. So that brings all the tears. I cry all the time. So it just brings all the tears up. And uh, so grateful for her. But she would be a tornado here today and having to be at church tonight. So they're home resting, getting ready for the day. But they send their love and thankful uh, for this opportunity today. Thankful for Michael that's with me. He's uh, my right arm that keeps me sane and keeps me in line for church and all that stuff. So he helps me out. So grateful he came with me early this morning to be here. If you have your Bibles, you can go to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and then uh, put your finger on Galatians chapter 6. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and Galatians uh, chapter 6. When you have it, you can stand for the reading of the word. And then I'll let you sit the rest of the day all you want. Thankful for the wonderful worship today. Amen. It was wonderful. Thank you for that. I'd like to be ready to go back into that last song we did at the end. And you'll have to sing it or I'll run the anointing off when I sing it. So um, we'll be ready for that. The end. First Samuel chapter 16. We're going to start at verse 10, and then Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. 1 Samuel says, let me find it here, that Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the one. 
Verse 13 says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah from there. Galatians 6, verse 9 says, Do not grow weary. Everybody say, Do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season you shall reap a harvest if you faint not. I just came to preach for a few moments this morning on its due season. Can we pray together? Lord, thank you so much for the worship. God, thank you for your presence that is here. God, thank you for your goodness and mercy that chase after us. God, thank you that we are surrounded in your goodness today. Lord, even though we may not always be faithful, you are always faithful to us. And we are so, so thankful for that today. God, I pray you would anoint the word today, anoint the hearers to hear your word. Holy Spirit, speak through me today. Speak to the hearts of your people. May it encourage, strengthen, and lift us up today. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Look at three people. Tell them, you look so much lighter today than you are going to look next week, okay? You look lighter today than you're going to look next week. Anybody looking forward to Thanksgiving? Amen. Amen. Yes. Thanksgiving is coming. It's my favorite holiday. I can eat without guilt all day long. It will be awesome. You look at that word weary. A word weary means to lose heart or to grow faint, a failed heart. I don't know about you, but I've been weary a few times in my life, and I'm sure we all have. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16 about Samuel anointing David and the prophecy being spoken over him that he was anointed to be the next king. And we love for the word of God to come forth over us. It encourages us, it strengthens us, and we're, we're thankful for the word. But after the word and before the promise actually gets in our grasp, there's this gap in between the prophecy and the promise, and that's called the process. And none of us like the process. We don't like to talk about the process. You know, I'm thinking about the promise of Thanksgiving on Thursday. Amen? But there is a long process from last Thursday to this next Thursday that my wife is putting me through. And it is making me grow very weary because... All our family is coming to our house this year, and so normally I get to go to their house and just show up and eat, and it's great, you know, but they're all coming to my house, and so there's a lot of work that my wife thinks needs to be done before they all get here. All the husbands said, amen, because uh, there's a lot of cleaning she wants done. I thought our house was clean. It looked clean to me. I mean, I picked up my dirty clothes and actually put them in the hamper this time, so I'm like, it's clean. No, we had to clean out everything. And for some reason this year, I guess this was kind of my fault, I wanted to put the Christmas stuff out because I'm like, hey, people's going to be here to see it. So let's put it up and let them see it. That was a horrible idea because that created a whole other mess that we had to go through. And so I've been a little weary these last few days. I told her yesterday I can't even enjoy football today because I'm so tired from all the cleaning you put me through. And she tells me we got to go back. We couldn't even stay at our house this weekend because we can't mess it up for the family that's coming in. So I haven't even been in my own house this weekend. This is a horrible process that we're going through. 
uh, we're blessed with a wonderful little rental house that we have in Athens because we live about an hour away from there right now. And so uh, we've been blessed with this rental house that we could stay in. So on top of getting ready for Thanksgiving, we tried to get that thing livable so that we could sleep in there. There was nothing in it. So you find out you have you need about everything that's on every aisle in Walmart when you don't have nothing in the house. And so going through getting all that ready, I'm like, dear Lord. And then she says, tomorrow we're going back home to finish cleaning to be ready for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, somebody's got to cook after all this. And so just pray for me, okay? I know it's a hard life. I mean, it's just terrible that we have to do that. But we grow weary sometimes, and there's lots of things uh, that we go through. And here we see David getting the prophecy that he will be anointed to be the next king. But the next step was not for him to go to the palace and sit on the throne as king. He turned around and went right back into the sheep field. Went right back from being anointed in front of his brothers who looked down on him. His dad, who even forgot about him and brought in his other brothers, he gets anointed in front of them and has to go right back to the sheep field. But may I tell you during the process, your obedience and your faithfulness to the call that God has put on your life will open doors for you that no man can shut. Because as David remained faithful to that process, his gift made room for him in the kingdom's in the king's palace. Because he went from there, Saul's being tormented, and they call on David to come and play his harp for the king. So he knows what's next for him. He knows the promise God has on his life, and he walks right into that promise that is not yet his. He can smell the palace. He can see the palace, and he knows this is his rightful place to be, but he remains obedient to the Father, and he just honors the word of God, and he goes in and plays his harp, and he comes back home. So every day he would play, and Saul was pleased with him, And told Jesse, let him remain here because I am pleased with him. And he made him an armor bearer for him. If he had only known what was coming, he might not have done that. But David remaining humble and faithful and obedient to the process, he was able to step into what God had for him. And he remains faithful to that and comes to his greatest test up to this time. And when there's a giant that is trying to push back God's people. And they're all cowering in fear. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, we see this failed heart thing come up again. What we read in Galatians about not letting our heart grow weary, don't lose heart. Here we find in chapter 17, verse 32, that Saul and his army are trembling in fear. Their heart has failed. They, they were not prepared to face the giant, but David was prepared. He had been preparing one sheep, one lamb at a time for this battle. God is preparing you for things that you don't even know he's preparing you for right now. A lot of times we look at the little things that we do and think this is pointless. Why am I wasting my time with this? And God is uniquely preparing you for a unique gift and calling that you don't even know is around the corner. And David had remained faithful because although he people might look and say he was just taking care of sheep, he was preparing to fight off giants, 
physically and spiritually all along the way. He took out a bear and he took out a lion. And when this giant named Goliath came up, David did not cower. He did not grow weary. He knew this is his moment to step up and do what God had called him to do. And he was just delivering some cheese pizza to his brothers at the time. I mean, just bringing cheese and bread. His dad tells him, go take this to your brothers and come back home. Don't do that. But how many of you know our kids don't always do exactly what we say to do? Amen. They, they have their own, my two boys, uh, Zachary especially, you know, he likes to add to whatever we're asking him to do. He likes to create something else that, well, we need to do this, or we could do it this way. Or we could say, I'm like, just do it, man. Come on, just do it. And David here in this moment's like, okay, I'll take it. And then he hears that giant mocking his God. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine talking about my God. I wish something would rise up in us as we hear things mocking our faith and mocking our God that we wouldn't sit back and say, oh, we just got to accept that. You know, it's just going to be okay. And that we would stand on the promises that God has for us and we would speak back to those giants in our life. That's what we need to do today. And so he, he was remaining faithful to that and he was ready to go because all the preparation is leading to that due season. It's leading to that due season. You know, there's a due date on a lot of things. But before you get to that due date, there's a lot of things that got to happen before that. You know, uh, every month, those, those same bills roll around every month. And, and they have the same due date on them. That utility bill comes due every stinking month. They want their money for that utility bill. And then you got to have the internet for your Disney Plus. And so that bill comes around every month. And you can't just wait till the due date to figure out how you're going to take care of that. You have to be preparing all along for that. You know, uh, the, the ladies in the room, the moms in the room will understand the due date of a pregnancy and the preparation that goes into that. But there's a lot of preparation for us guys in that process too, because uh, I've learned that and we get a nervous wreck because the wife starts barking out all these orders of things that got to be done before that baby gets here and you've got to get this room just right and you got to have this ready to go. There's lots of preparation before the due date actually gets here. And so we have to be ready for that. Uh, I like to get prepared for vacations. There's not always bad things that we have to get ready for, but vacations, you know, uh, my family, my wife's family is actually working on vacation already for next summer. I mean, we're not even through the end of the year yet. And they're, they're looking at stuff for next summer and they're stressing me out. Like we need to start getting this ready. We need to, I'm like, can we just wait? And, you know, let's, let's have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and then we'll go for it. But they're already thinking ahead. They're already marking the calendar, getting ready. And can I tell you, God has already marked the calendar for your life, and he knows the things that are coming, and he is trying to prepare you and get you ready. So the things you're facing today that you're battling, you're not sure, why is this battle coming my way? Why am I walking through this right now? Can I tell you a do is coming. There is a due season around the corner that God is getting you ready for. And God was getting David ready for this particular moment because he had been overlooked and unnoticed his entire life. Even after being anointed the next king, his dad keeps him out in the sheep field. And when the biggest battle comes for the people, he sends his brothers and leaves him at home. But from this moment on, David would not be unnoticed noticed. He was getting him prepared. David had been preparing all along 
And what you're doing when you're alone with God is either preparing you for your greatest victory or destroying the seed that God is trying to grow. We have to be careful with what we're doing when we're not seen. I've had to learn this all along my life. You know, you think you just show up somewhere and you're ready to go. No, there's a lot of preparation that goes into being ready. And you and I have to be faithful to the things God has called us to. We have to be faithful to our relationship with him. Our relationship with him is not just a Sunday morning, hour and a half, two hour experience. And then we go on and forget about him and come back next Sunday. Oh, hey, God. How are you doing? No, we have to be faithful to that relationship every day of our life. We have to be faithful to this word. We hear so much stuff throughout the week and we neglect the word of God, the promises of God. We have to be faithful to that. David had been faithful all along. When nobody was watching him and everybody's watching everybody else, David's out in the sheep field worshiping God all by himself. Nobody noticing him. He wasn't doing that trying to prepare for some big stage show. No, he was doing that because he loved the Lord with all his heart and just wanted to give him his worship. Have you ever just took time alone and just worshiped the Lord in your house and just take time to say, God, thank you. When Pastor Chase talked about magnifying the Lord, we got to learn to magnify him over everything else in our lives. A lot of times we like to sit around and talk about all the problems in our lives and the problems with our kids and the problem with our crazy cousins and all this stuff. We just need to magnify the Lord every now and then and just magnify him, not just in front of people, but in private. So we have to be allowing God to prepare us in private for what's coming in public because I felt like the Lord said, God has heard your prayers in private and is about to bring your answer in public. He's been watching you in private. He has heard your prayers. You've been crying when nobody's been looking. He's heard your prayers when you've been trying to go to sleep at night. He's seen you in those private places and he says, the answer is coming publicly. And the answer doesn't always come quickly. The due season always doesn't come quickly, but it will come suddenly, suddenly. And your due season is coming suddenly. It may seem like a long time, but one phone call today could change everything. I, I, I remember this whole thing I'm walking out in. I've known for two years God was shifting things in my life. All I've known is children's ministry. I mean, I'm a kid at heart, and so that's what I've done, and I am thankful for that because it is teaching me so much to walk into this next season because you and I need to remain childlike in our faith. We don't need to act like a kid, but we need to grow up, but we need to remain childlike in our faith, and I pray I never lose that in my life, and he was teaching me all along to get ready for this season, but I've known for like two years that something was shifting in our lives. My wife would come to me and say, something is changing. And, and, and sometimes change is great, but a lot of times change is frustrating when you don't know what the change is. So you try to walk through life every day like it is, but knowing this is not always going to be like this. And the shift was coming, the change was coming, but we were frustrated because we didn't know what was next. And I can imagine David knowing he was supposed to be the next king but none of that was coming. I mean, he's still out there with stinky sheep. He's still getting pushed back by his brothers and his dad. And nobody wants to push him to the forefront. And he's hanging back. And we just kept hanging back. And God kept saying, wait, 
wait. Have you ever heard the Lord say wait? Or he just tell just wait. You know, and we always like to say God's an on-time God. Yes, he is on time until you're ready for an answer. And you're like, God, you're, you're a little late, man. Come on. We're, we're running behind and, and we need to get going. And that can get frustrating sometimes. But then one phone call on a random Monday night out of nowhere when I thought I'm getting ready for something else and I get one phone call that shifted everything and it wasn't like get ready for this next year it was like get ready for this in two weeks and I'm like well praise God okay here we go one phone call the due season may not come quickly, but it will come suddenly. And we have to be prepared and ready for whenever that shift comes in our life. Amen? And so David was the only one qualified to lift Goliath's sword that day when everybody else tried to push him back. And whatever God's preparing you for may not look like what everybody else is doing. They tried to put David in Saul's armor, and he didn't fit him right. It was too weighty on him. He's like, there's no way I can go out there like this. And so he got out of that, and he just went in his own strength and knew that God was with him. And while everybody else was cowering in fear, David stood up because he knew greater is he who's in me than he who is in this world. And you and I have to learn to stand up and face the giants in our life and say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. We have to be ready for that. And David stood up and he spoke the word of the Lord at that giant. And with that giant laughing and mocking him in his face, he took the rock and he threw it and knocked the giant to the ground. But he didn't just knock him down and walk off and say, thank you you so much. Look at that. Great. No, he finished him off, but he had to pick up Goliath's sword to finish him off. He didn't even have his own sword. That sword weighed over 200 pounds, which should have been too heavy for a person David's size to pick up and to use in battle. But David picked it up with ease because God will give you grace to carry the heavy weight of things in your life that you couldn't carry on your own. When I think about the heavy things that I have walked through in my life, I am thankful for the grace of God that has been on my life. Because just like they sang earlier, his goodness is surrounding us as we stand on his promise. And I can stand here today and attest that yes, his goodness and his grace has covered me through heavy things. Some of those heavy things I brought on myself with my, with my dumb mistakes and, and my rebellion and things. I've brought some heavy things on my life. But sometimes God lets us walk through heavy seasons just to get us ready for what he's going through. I, I think about my kids. And we've gone through all kinds of things with them. And I look at them now. You know, there's been this uh, decade thing on Facebook, right? You know, where you're supposed to post a picture from 10 years ago and the picture now. I'll never do that because it'll be like little guy and then marshmallow man and the next one. You know, it's like, nah, I don't want to see that. Nah, that's not good. But I think about next year, my boys will be 10 years old. And 10 years ago was probably one of the heaviest things me and my wife have ever walked through together because we got found out we, we didn't even think we wanted kids. You know, we're like we're kids pastors, man. We're around kids all the time. We, we don't need kids. We're going to be all right. And then about the beginning of the year, 
We go, my wife says, something don't feel right. I, I think something's going on. And I'm like, oh, I bet we're having a baby. Yeah, we're ready. And so we go find out, yes, we're pregnant. And I'm like, I didn't even know I'd be excited about this, but yes, here we go. And so then she's like, I don't know, it should be like this already. I mean, this is kind of early on. I go, we're going to have twins. This is going to be awesome. We're, we're gonna, she goes, no, we're not. She goes, there's no twins in our family. I go, well, there's none in my family either. And I go, we're, we're going to be the first. There's a first for everything. We got to have twins. So we go to the doctor, and sure enough, that doctor says, well, there's two in there. And my wife set up on that that doctor's been, she said, two what? She thought they had an extra hand or something like this. It's like, no, there are two babies. I was like, yes, oh, wow. And she's like, she's freaking out over there. I call my mom, I'm so excited. I joke around with my mom all the time, so she doesn't believe me. I had to talk to her for 30 minutes before she actually believed, yes, we're having twins, mom. This is gonna be great. And so we're so excited. We go and do a kids ministry event and three weeks after that, and we have a doctor's appointment the next morning where they do all this stuff and tell you if it's boys or girls and they're looking at everything. And when we go to that appointment, we sit in that ultrasound room for two hours while this doctor looks around at everything and is measuring this and that and I'm about to fall asleep sitting in there and then we come out and they said, would you go to this other room and a doctor will come see you in just a moment and the doctor comes in and she's not smiling, she's not happy and she goes, uh, we've got a little problem and uh, she shows us a picture that looks like nothing and she explains it to us and says, this is baby A's brain who was our William, and she says, do you see that butterfly-looking thing there? And we're like, yes. And she says, that should look like a telephone, like an antique telephone, and that's a big butterfly because that is a cyst where the cerebellum should be on the brain, and they call it Dandy Walker syndrome. And they said, what's going to happen? That cyst is there, and it's blocking the fluid from his brain from draining down his spine like everyone else should, and uh, his head is going to swell too much, and he is not in a good place. And they started talking to us in a nice way about selective reduction and that we should abort our baby boy that, who I just saw kicking around on the screen the minute before we were in that office. And we knew in that moment the enemy is trying to steal the promise God has for our life. Because when God's word has been spoken over your life, the enemy is going to do everything he can to come against you. Because we had just been spoken the beginning of the month about a double blessing coming into our life. And I thought that was double blessings for young married college kids to pay off student loans. And I was shouting, praising the Lord. But no, it was two baby boys that were coming into our life. And I was like, where is that preacher man that come and spoke over my life? I need to talk to him for a moment. But we continue to follow God through that moment. It was a hard season. We had to go to doctors every week. And every week, they never shared good news with us. They just kept sharing more bad news. We would get through a week. We'd come back in. Things were getting worse. Now, now they went from we got one baby who has a problem to 
two of them have a problem because now they got this twin-to-twin transfusion thing going. One baby is sending all his nutrients to the other baby, so he's starving himself to death and overfeeding the other one, and they're getting ready to send us somewhere else in Ohio for a surgery while they're in utero to try to stop this from happening. So it was one bad thing after another. And although it was very hard, we stood on the promises of God during that time. We continued to stand on his promises. Those baby boys were not supposed to come till September, and they came at the end of June when my wife had a horrible headache that morning, and we go to the doctor for some headache medicine, and they tell us that we're having baby boys that morning. And so we get ready. My parents and her parents live far away from where we are. It's just me and her in that hospital room. And I just cry out to the Lord and say, God, you promised us these boys. And devil, you will not take these boys away from us. And so we stood there while our parents are figuring out how to fly and get to where we are. And those boys are delivered and they're no bigger than my hand when they come out. And, and the first Zachary comes out first and he's screaming, crying. So that's good. He's breathing. And then they have, I see them acting a little funny and they go in there to get Will and her uterus had contracted on top of him. And he was black and blue from head to toe and was not breathing. His, his medical record shows zeros all the way down the chart when he came out. They wouldn't say nothing to us. I couldn't see them for an hour after that. And I get to them, they're hooked up with tubes, wires, needles, everything when I see them. And for the first month of their life, we couldn't even touch them. We just had to look at them. And and we would go in every day and just sit there. There's nothing we could do but pray. And just talk to them and tell them how much God loves them. And he's got a plan for their life. And you just hang in there, baby boy. You're going to be fine. Hang in there. And nurses and doctors sitting there saying, I'm not sure how today's going to go, but we're just going to get through one day at a time. And they called us in one day because William's lungs started hemorrhaging and filling up with blood. And they said, every time we touch him, we can't, it gets worse. So there's nothing else we can do. So you may want to make some phone calls uh, because we're not sure how the rest of the day is going to go. And they were pretty much telling us to tell him bye-bye. But I wasn't going to do that in that moment. And although I couldn't touch him, I laid my arms over his little bed and his little case that he was in. And we began to proclaim the promises of God over his life. And in that heavy moment, we felt the grace of God come in there and move on his life. And after that moment, that was a Saturday on a Monday, he took his first drops of milk that he had had his entire life. And although they had all kinds of surgeries and things like that. They came home four months later after being in a hospital, and today they're the two rowdiest bunching boys, and looking at them, you would have no clue of anything they've gone through in their life. You and I have to hang on through the process to get to our promise. God's promise is yes and amen, and we have to hang on through the process. I don't know what process you're going through today. It may be a family thing. It may be a job thing. It could be a church thing. As this church continues to walk out what God's called you to do, you're going to walk through the processes, but you're going to see the promises of God fulfilled in your life. Amen? So if the uh, worship team could begin to come and play softly as we try to wind this down, I would encourage you to focus on keeping your, ex- your internal flame hot and don't worry about the attacks that are coming against your life. Because as I said, when the enemy knows the promise in your life, he's going to kind of try to come and wipe it away. And I like to think of it like this. If I had a candle lit here, I could 
I'd blow on that candle and that flame would go out. But if I go out to a forest and there's a little fire going out there in the woods that's spreading on the grass and spreading on the trees, and I take a blanket and I wave it at that, trying to blow that flame out, it's just going to push that flame hotter as it goes. And the enemy is trying to come and blow your flame out. Blow the fire out in your life. But in those private times, if you'll keep that flame hot, when the enemy comes and tries to, it's just going to make that flame hotter in your life. Because he doesn't know who he's messing with. And we have to stand strong and let him know you picked the wrong person to mess with today. I tell my boys that every day. When they try to act up, I say, oh, no, you've gone through way too much to start acting crazy on me. No, you're not going to do that. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we're going to stay close to him and see God do great things in our life. And David had to do that. He had ups and downs through the journey. He, he gets past the greatest victory. He, he slays Goliath, holds up that giant's head. I've killed this giant. And you would think, now he's about to walk into the kingdom. He's about to sit on the throne as king of Israel. No, he's on the run for his life. After that, Saul gets so jealous and goes after him. And in 1 Samuel chapter 21, we find David on the run for his life. After one of the greatest victories, he's running and hiding in a cave. And he finally comes out of the cave. Can I encourage you today? It's time to come out of the caves. Quit letting the problems and the worries of this world push you into a dark cave. You can come out of that cave today. How do we come out of that? Some of us have, have set up residence in our caves. What caves? Uh, caves of depression, caves of fear, caves of worry, caves of doubt, caves of sickness. We've just set up residence and said, well, this is just how it's going to be. And so we just put our flat screen TV up in there. We put our comfy chair out in there and we're just hanging out there. But it's time to step out of the cave. And David steps out and he finds himself in the house of the Lord. He walks into the temple to the priest. And he says, do you have anything to eat? He says, well, all I have is this showbread, also called presence bread, from the communion table that he gives David to eat. Can I tell you, when you find yourself in a dark place, in a heavy place, the best thing we can do is feast on the presence of the Lord. How do I come out of this cave? How do I get over this? I have to feast on his presence, not the presence of anybody else. I don't need so-and-so with a certain title to come get me out of this. I just need the presence of the Lord in my life. If I'll focus on him, he'll fill me with his presence. He gets filled up with presence and he says, do you, do you have a sword, anything that I could use to take to this battle I need to go to? And he says, well, we got this one sword behind the door over there. He goes over, wrapped in an ephod, was Goliath's sword. I can imagine in that moment of David weak and frail and 
running for his life and he comes into the house of the Lord and it was like a wink from the Lord saying, do you remember the victories I've brought you through before? He sees Goliath's sword and he goes, I don't know if that sword will work. And David says, that's the perfect sword for me. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of the things God has brought us through. Amen. Sometimes we got to get our eyes off the problems in front of us and just be reminded of the victories God has brought us through. And if he was faithful in those victories, he'll be faithful in these victories. May I remind you, before you want to give up and say your season has passed, pick up your sword and remind yourself of the promises of God. This book is full of promise. This thing is sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll cut down any giant in your life and heal any wound in your life if we'll just pick it up and remind ourselves of the promises. What are those promises? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. The Lord will fight the battles for you. You have no need to fight. Just stand on his promises. And Jesus said, if he be lifted up, if he be lifted up, when I speak the word and when I live out this word, I'm lifting up the name of Jesus. And it says, he will draw all men unto me. If I won't grow weary, if I won't lose heart and I'll lift up my sword in due season, I shall reap a harvest if I faint not. Can I encourage you today? It's time to reap the harvest God has for you. Would you stand to your feet with me right now? Can we sing that chorus? All my life you have been faithful. Can you just worship me right now? All my life you have been faithful. Come on, remind yourself of the victories he's had in your life. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath in I am able. Oh, I have seen the goodness of Come on, one more time. All my life you have been faithful. take the hand of the person next to you right now or lock arms with them if you don't want to touch hands can we just come together right now and pray for one another pray strength for one another God I pray for your people today God I pray you would strengthen them during whatever process they find themselves in right now God I pray that you would remind them of your faithfulness and your goodness and your mercy for their lives God there's nothing they could have done that has changed your plans for their life. Your promises are still yes and amen for your people. So I pray we would turn our hearts back to you. God, that we would put our focus back on you today. Remind ourselves of how great you 
are in our lives. And God, I thank you that due season is coming for your people today. There is a harvest coming suddenly that we will get ready to reap in Jesus' name. I want to declare this over Legacy Church as I prayed uh, as I prayed earlier this week, getting ready. I felt the Lord speak to my heart that open windows, open windows. He said, open the window. So I just, I'm just saying, open the window. And I asked, why, why would we open the window, God? And he says, when Noah opened the window, he released the dove. And I feel like God is ready to release a fresh breath of his spirit over Rome, Georgia, and over Legacy Church, if we'll just open up the window. And he says, when you open up the window, the dove brought back the olive branch. There's a fresh anointing that's about to flow in when we open up the windows. And then he took me to when I was a kid, and I would walk down Main Street, and I would look in windows at great things in there that I always wanted to have, but I couldn't. I could just look look in the window and God says the window is open and he says for Legacy Church the window is open you don't have to look and say wow one day we're gonna have that one day we're gonna he says the windows of heaven are open and it's for your taking you just gotta take it in so can we raise our hands and just receive that today God I thank you that the windows of heaven are opening over Legacy Church and over Rome Georgia and over every family represented here today we declare open windows of blessings are over us today. God, thank you for a fresh anointing that's coming. Thank you for a fresh wind of your spirit that is coming. And God, thank you that every promise is available to us today. And we reach out and grab that promise today in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for your faithfulness. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise and thank him for that? Come on and sing this out again. Pastor Chris, know how much we appreciate that word this morning. Be sure you let him know how much you appreciate him being here today.